0: Hello and welcome to Logical, the regular legal podcast from the Dubai based law firm HPL Yamalaba and Plethka, still the Gulf region's first and still the only legal podcast as well. My name is Tim Elliott. I'm back socially distanced at Dubai's JLT Jamira Lakes Towers District at the firm's offices here at Reef. Tower with the managing partner Ludmilla Yamalova. As always, good to see you.
1: Great to see you too, Tim. Social distance, but still close enough, much better than being in the virtual world.
0: I'm with you on that, Ludmilla. Now, logical today is going to all be about force majeure, what that phrase means from a legal perspective, but also how it's been used and how it's currently being employed used utilized uh, in these COVID-19 times so the obvious place to start Ludmilla is a definition of force majeure so let's start there what does what does it mean
1: uh, sure, but perhaps even before then, the um, uh, another place to start is what is, what, what is the term force majeure? Okay. The term force majeure is actually a legal principle. So right. it's a legal principle, which means that uh, allows for an unforeseeable event to ultimately prevent or excuse a party from defaulting or not being able to fulfill its obligation. So, it is, so it's an event, it's a certain event that is not uh, predictable, is unforeseeable, unforeseeable, outside of a party's control that ultimately has an effect on one or the other party's ability to perform its obligations in the contract.
0: Okay, so by definition then, it would be reasonable to state, would it not, that COVID-19 is perhaps a perfect, if that's even the right word, a perfect example of force majeure.
1: In short, yes. And uh, it took a few months and uh, there were a lot of speculation amongst the, uh, the legal practitioners as to whether, in fact, it will be defined as force majeure. And enough time has passed. And uh, practically across the globe, it, there has been a consensus that, yes, COVID-19, a coronavirus does constitute the event of force majeure. Uh, another important definition uh, or aspect uh, of the definition of force majeure is that it has to be an an event that is so unforeseeable and so outside of control of one's uh, abilities that in the in in the way it um, constitutes as has uh, now become kind of ubiquitous an act of God, mm. uh, so this is important. So force majeure, in general terms, uh, usually is referred in a, in, to an event that is uh, more akin to an act of God than an event. For example, uh, where your employee doesn't show up, your critical employee, for example, who who is responsible for filing that particular court uh, pleading on that day does not show up to the office. Uh, that is that would not be an event uh, of force majeure because it's not an event that's uh, an act of God. So, in the last many months, the courts have now ultimately decided, and and uh, across the board, that uh, coronavirus is an event uh, that ultimately is force majeure. Because it is so um, is akin to a, an act of God.
0: So it's almost as though it's an event that we, that is so wildly unpredictable. It's almost beyond the realms of possibility. And that is is that a reasonable, close to a definition phrase?
1: Well, that. Uh, but um, I mean, this this in particular incident perhaps is much more uh, is is better, or more accurately defined in the way you just stated. But there are other events uh, of force majeure, perhaps that are less um, unimaginable, such as earthquakes. And we know they happen, nice. uh, but they are, but they are unforeseeable as to the predict, you know, pre- specific time when they may occur but the event itself we know does occur and we sort of we know that it's just a matter of time before something something like this will happen same thing with floods and hurricanes and such but any one of those events usually is still considered to be a force majeure Uh, something like coronavirus uh, obviously he the, the world wasn't really quite expecting it in the same way that we have come to at least expect earthquakes and floods and um and hurricanes. Um, so yes, uh, I, I would argue and I'd agree with you that uh, COVID-19 is perhaps even more of not just an unpredictable, but also un- an unimaginable uh, event, uh, therefore does provide uh, a perfect or a classical definition or example of a force majeure definition.
0: Okay, so we accept that COVID-19 is perhaps a classic definition of uh, force majeure. Uh, the fact that you have force majeure in a contract whatever kind of contract it may be any kind of legal uh, contract it may be um the next question is invoking or the extent to which covid19 invokes force majeure just run me through what you've seen and we've talked about this in in podcasts uh, in the last month or so but what more have you seen when it comes to invoking force majeure well- in cases in the uae
1: well, for, for a while, there was a debate, there were lots of questions around the issue as to whether, in fact, uh, or, or in what circumstances one could in, evoke or invoke force majeure. And that is, for example, let's say in employment context. As a, if I'm a company and I've got employees that I have to terminate and now I want to be able to terminate them and not pay them, not be responsible or subject to a penalty that that I would otherwise be subject to because... Uh, Because I terminated them early. Now, in that particular case, chances are that in my employment agreement with my employees, I never included the clause on force majeure. Mm. Uh, Similarly, let's say in the rental disputes uh, between the landlords and uh, tenants, in most cases, there is no, perhaps I have yet to see, either in employment context or in a tenancy context, a contract that includes a provision about force majeure. So for a while there were there was a lot of speculation a lot of debate as to whether parties in those circumstances could in fact try to invoke force majeure uh, while that language was not in their underlying contract. Uh, So, and I'll I'll come back to that shortly, but um, this is somewhat different, for example, from a lot of the real estate agreements or as they're often known as sales and purchase agreements or SPAs. In those contracts, uh, more likely than not, and perhaps um, in my experience, uh, all of the contracts I've seen, the developer would always include a clause on force majeure. Uh, So in those cases, it was perhaps more predictable that, Uh, that one or the other party would invoke that clause uh, in the real estate transactions. But with regards to employment uh, or uh, tenancy or other commercial uh, commercial transactions, in most cases, a lot of the contracts do not include uh, uh, force majeure. So therefore, can those parties uh, try to rely on the event of force majeure uh, if it's not in their contract? So that was uh, perhaps a speculation and debate that, that kind of um, rumbled around the the uh, the legal world and the business world for a while until a few months ago but in general, uh, there are, uh, their the answer to that, I guess the quick answer to that depends on the legal system that's um, at play. So in common law jurisdictions, such as, for example, the UK or the, the US, uh, the default principle in those systems is that in order to try, in, in order to be able to rely on the event of force majeure or invoke force majeure, there has to be a language that, to that effect in the contract. In civil law jurisdictions, however, and the UAE being one example of that, uh, there is uh, the event of force majeure is actually codified. So, in other words, it, and this the legal practitioner's the legal mindset kind of um, concluded this before the courts actually started ruling uh, to uh, on on this issue that, in as far as the UAE is concerned, in the legal in, in the in the civil law jurisdiction. Uh, you don't need to have uh, the clause of force majeure in your contract in order to be able to try to rely on it or invoke it. And so that, we, that, basically, that was kind of the legal interpretation or the legal conclusion. Uh, and since then, uh, we have seen that particular conclusion be confirmed uh, on numerous occasions and throughout and quite regularly and consistently by all relevant judicial authorities. In particular, for example, in the UAE, it'd be the, the Dubai courts or the Abu Dhabi courts, the local courts. Uh, we have also seen this uh, uh, by, the, uh, by the labor courts. Um, and also by the Rental Dispute Committee. Uh, Any one of these tribunals or uh, judicial (coughs) tribunals I've just mentioned have already adjudicated uh, the question whether COVID-19 is an event of force majeure, and they have all concluded that yes, it is an event of force majeure. That's one. And two, whether in fact you need to have that language in the contract to be able to rely on it. And the answer is no, because the UAE legal system provides for it as part of its uh, legal code. Uh, So now that means that parties can uh, invoke the event of force majeure because it has now been confirmed by the courts that, in fact, coronavirus, COVID-19 is, in fact, that act of God that would uh, classify as uh, force majeure in legal terms.
0: Okay, so force majeure should be, doesn't have to be in a contract, but it would be sensible to have uh, a force majeure clause. But it doesn't make dispute resolution any easier because this is a two-way street isn't it if you're in an employment situation COVID has meant people have been laid off an employer has the right to say look this is beyond my control just as an employee has a right to say well it's beyond my control as well I should be paid because I have a contract so in a dispute resolution uh, mindset or frame of mind it really doesn't make things any easier to have force majeure in uh, described.
1: And what complicates it even more is that uh, there are. Lots of examples where, in fact, there's a language of force majeure already in the contract, and in fact, the courts don't recognize it or do not enforce it. Right. So, for example, in a lot of the real estate transactions and the real estate uh, deals, as I mentioned earlier, developers do include a, a clause or definition of force majeure. But in general terms, they define it so broadly as to include... Uh, Uh, in colloquial terms, the whole kitchen sink. Mm. So everything is a force majeure, uh, including the delay by contractors, the shortage of supplies and material, uh, employee issues and such. So very, very broad definitions of of force majeure uh, that developers in the past, numerous times, have tried to invoke. And even in those circumstances where it may seem like it's a fairly... Uh, it's a fairly easier burden or threshold to um, to climb uh, because you already have the excuse of force majeure in the contract to rely on. In fact, even then, the courts don't necessarily accept it at face value. And they interpret force majeure only to the extent that, uh, in fact, it uh, any of the events uh, are acts of God. So anything that's not, for example, in the definition would normally constitute an act of God, like delays by contractors or shortage of supplies, would not be uh, would not be considered a force majeure and therefore clauses to that extent would be struck out or not enforced by courts.
0: Let me just put this to you for a moment, I, I'm struggling with this uh, on a number of levels, but the, the, the most simple way I'm struggling is this. It means that contracts, if you invoke force majeure on either side, become impossible to resolve, do they not? It, it strikes me that it's very, very difficult to rule either way. So, what you effectively end up having to uh, provide for is some kind of amicable resolution in some way, in an almost, in practically an impossible situation.
1: Well, it, I guess it's all relative because the idea of force majeure is there are s- few elements that are required in order for that particular principle to be applied effectively. Right. One, as we said before, it's the, it's the event of an uh, uh, unforeseeable, unpredictable event. One. Two, it has to be an event that is directly related to a party's inability to perform the contract. Mm. Uh so in in the case for example of a developer and we have already seen this is they may argue well we are invoking the force majeure because in in, in our delay for example or as an excuse to delay the performance of their obligations i.e. Uh, hand over the property timely, let's say in next three months. So they're saying we're invoking the event of force majeure because we're not able to, to deliver the property in the next two months because of coronavirus. It may seem like a a. a, a clear-cut position because there is a a force majeure clause in the agreement, one, and two, we know the courts have now established the coronavirus is uh, an event of force majeure. However, there is a big however here, is that in fact, now the developer has to prove that it's that particular event that ultimately actually was a direct link or the direct cause of the developer's inability to perform that part of the contract. In other words, to deliver the property within the next two months. Mm. Interestingly enough, if you recall, uh, during the, um, uh, this was in the beginning of the coronavirus and during the lockdown that the UAE went through, the construction sector was one sector that was always exempt. So while all other businesses were properly in the lockdown mode and could not uh, send their employees home and ultimately had to shut down, the construction sector was clearly always exempt and therefore could continue and did continue to work. So therefore, here, an an example like that, it may seem clear cut, but yet, uh, in this case, I would argue, and we have already seen courts, uh, inclining to go with the same sort of logic is that even though coronavirus is a force majeure, and even though even though there is uh, there's a provision in the contract uh, about the uh, force majeure, in fact the in this particular example I just gave, the developer's inability to pro- uh, to deliver the property timely is not at all directly related to uh, coronavirus because they were always allowed to work, and if anything, you could argue the opposite that because everybody else was shut down and they were allowed to work. Therefore, they could have perhaps achieved certain savings and and uh, perhaps uh, many more efficiencies because of it. Um, so in that case, uh, the, they would not work in the developer's favor. That being said, it may actually work in the favor of the investor. Because let's say if the investor wanted to purchase a property and relying on his or her long-term employment history let's say as a pilot uh, on the on an air a, a world class airline Uh, And um, invested or made a commitment to buy this property. And all of a sudden, now, because of coronavirus, has lost his or her job. And as we now know, not only he has lost the job. And the job here is a direct link of coronavirus. Directly, the the, the loss of the job. For sure. um, One. And two the chances that he or she will be able to find another job as a pilot in the near future are rather impossible or slim to none. Mm. So therefore, in this case, all of a sudden, uh, the tables turn. And uh, if anyone has a legitimate excuse to... Uh, not perform obligations it would be an investor to continue with this investment because he now basically his ability to uh, uh, to continue with the contract um, is has been reduced to inability in other words his he's now it's impossible for him to perform the contract because he does not have an income to pay for this investment And so in this case, you could see how the courts actually would use the force majeure in favor of the investor, but not in favor of the developer. And what we have already seen is exactly that same logic applied, for example, in the context of employment cases and uh, and rental disputes. And um, with respect to rental disputes, even though there is no uh, provision to force majeure in most of the tenancy contracts... Uh, the RDC in, in Dubai, and that's the Rent Dispute Committee, has clearly, consistently, and continuing to take the position that uh, if a tenant wants to terminate tenancy early because of um, the, his or her loss of employment and therefore uh, inability to earn a living, so therefore that, uh, that makes it impossible for the tenant to perform the contract and therefore they can be excused uh, from continuing with a contract and their early termination of the contract will not be subject to regular penalties which would ultimately or normally be applied in these kind of circumstances if if the tenant were to, to terminate the contract early under all other circumstances so for example yeah, I have a one-year contract or tenancy and now I want to terminate six months into it because I cannot, um, I don't have a job to pay uh, for the remainder of my contract. And so normally I would have to pay, let's say, and this is often in the contract provided for in the contract, is a two month penalty, and perhaps some other, uh, some other uh, payment or penalty for uh, for defaulting or or late payments for the previous six months, uh, and perhaps some other fee to the agent for having to terminate the contract early, and so on and so forth. So now the RDC has consistently ruled the uh, that in those kind of circumstances. Uh, parties or tenant can terminate the agreement, and all those penalties would uh, be waived. Uh,
0: look, if I can take you back to the employer-employee situation, move away from the real estate situation for a moment, and I'm I'm very kind of firmly sat on the fence. I can see both sides, but in terms of resolving a force majeure employee-employer situation, I'm struggling. It's very difficult as far as I can tell, to come up with a resolution that could even come close to satisfying both parties.
1: And you're absolutely right. And let's not forget what we're talking about here is a pandemic. It's a global event. It's pandemic. Mm. And there are very few parties, very few businesses that are there to- coming out of this uh, better off than they were coming into it. Hmm. Uh, For the most part, most uh, people have been affected by it fairly negatively. So um, there are not going to be very many winners um, in relative terms, and perhaps there will be many more losers, and losers usually happen on in this particular case on both sides. And that is in the employee-employer context, uh, let's look at the employee. It's uh, highly unfortunate that the employee is now losing her job because um, the company's terminating her employment earlier. Uh, because obviously of, of this unprecedented uh, pandemic that has affected uh, the business to the point of where there is no pipeline of revenue coming in. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's highly unfortunate for the employee, but equally so, uh, as you said, for the employer, because if your pipeline has stopped, has just been cut off, uh, cut off because of this event, I mean, as much as you may love your employee and, and, and cherish your business and want to c- continue on with your business, what are you going to fund the business with if there is no funding? If you have no customers, if you have no clients, or perhaps if you have, more importantly, more no no paying clients, no paying customers. There are always customers and clients, except <laughs> that, yeah, they are they're not often paying ones. So if you don't have that, if all of a sudden your supply chain and your pipeline have come to an end... What are you going to pay your salaries with? So it's a difficult situation for both parties, it's true. And what the courts have, um, I guess the balance that the courts have struck, and this is in line with the general principles of force majeure, is that from the employee's perspective, you are still, as an employee, you would still be entitled to receive your compensation for the work which you have conducted. So if you worked for the last month, you are entitled to receive your salary for the last month. Uh, furthermore, if you worked for a company for X number of years, you're also entitled under the UE labor law to receive your end of service benefits. Mm-hmm. And that is here, it's uh, in just general terms, it's sort of our version of a pension uh, payment. And that is for every year of service, you receive 21 days of basic salary uh, for every year of service of your employment. So if you've been with the company, uh, for three years, it'll be 21 days for times three, and that's your end of service payment or your pension-type payment. Uh, so the courts have held that in those in the cases where employees are being terminated prematurely because of force majeure, before because of uh, COVID-19, that they are still entitled to receive those payments, the the payment uh, for. Uh, the work done their, their last salary they're entitled to receive the end of service and they're also entitled to receive compensation for their untaken vacation uh, so and in general terms these are all the benefits that relate to employees past performance and past and benefits or benefits which they have earned in the past so your vacation for example you have earned over the last x number of, of you know last year or x number of months before the event uh, of um, of force majeure so therefore you're still entitled for that uh, the work you conducted uh, then you still have to get paid for it uh, and same thing with end of service benefits because you have earned them already prior to your your termination now with regards to, to additional Uh, benefits that which employees might otherwise be entitled to, like, for example, notice, uh, which in the UAE, the default notice is one month, and but contractually, parties can agree to uh, a longer notice period, uh, or arbitrary dismissal, and that is compensation of up to three months of, of full salary in the event that employees terminated arbitrarily. Uh, or And even bonuses or commissions, for, for, for example, for future work and such. So these kinds of elements or these kind of benefits, in fact, uh, will not need to be paid out. So arbitrary dismissal in the event of force majeure for employers will not uh, be an obligation of the employer to pay to the employee. Uh, same thing with any future bonuses and commissions, which contractually otherwise the employee might be entitled to. And uh, same thing with the... Um, the notice period. Uh, so here, if you, um, if you think about it, 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 perhaps is a fair balance because for a company it's also a difficult time and yes there's this expectation as a company you should have budgeted obviously for the salary of your employee and so if you let them work then you should have had the funds to pay for uh, the work for the period of day you let them work same thing for the end of service you should have been as a company should have been accruing for that and same thing for the vacation you should have been accruing for that so then as a business you don't really have a legitimate excuse to not pay those benefits because as a business run, you would have accrued for those uh, benefits. Now, for anything above that, such as uh, the notice period and arbitrary dismissal, well, you're not really planning to terminate uh, this employee. So in in this particular case, the coronavirus is a direct cause for a business to terminate their employees with perhaps immediate effect. Uh, So in these kinds of cases, um, this is the stance that the courts have taken, and I would, uh, I would um, conclude that, and and perhaps argue that it is its accurate representation or interpretation of the force majeure uh, legal principle in the UU jurisdiction. One and two, that it's also fair.
0: And that's another episode of Logical, force majeure and how and what we've seen in these coronavirus times. As ever, our legal expert here on Logical was Ludmilla Yamalova, management partner here at Yamalova and Pleska. Uh, as always, really good to chat to you.
1: Always great to be chatting with you too, Tim. Thank you.
0: If you have a legal question you need answered in a future episode of Logical, or if you'd like a consultation with a qualified UAE experienced legal professional, all you have to do is click contact at lylawyers.com. Plus, you can WhatsApp us directly as well, 00971-52525-1611.